0: Get ready, it's time. Motherhood Talk Radio, starring Sandra Beck, is the most powerful voice in women's issues today. As the owner of Motherhood Incorporated, Sandra brings you inspiring, influential, and interesting resources to help you navigate everything from childcare to corporate formation. Each episode of Motherhood Talk Radio features guests who all have a story, experts in their field, and information you won't want to miss. We bring you everything from the latest crafting tips to how to be sexy in your 40s, from great parenting tips to moms facing some tough challenges, and most importantly, how to bounce back with style. Motherhood Talk Radio helps you make a difference in your world and the world around us being all you can be starts right here, right now. Let's do it. Here's your host, Sandra Beck.
1: everybody this is Sandra Beck and I have one of my favorite guests in the entire world because she's not only beautiful she's funny she's a mom she's a published author she also happens to be my good friend and she's so much
2: more Angela Breidenbach welcome to the show thank you so much I have so much admiration for you so we're going to just have a show of mutual admiration society today big big hugs like you know that's okay I mean you know you have done so much in your career,
1: and I really admire that because they're all things that I kind of secretly hope to do in my lifetime. So tell me a little bit about your books because I love them. They're wonderful, and everybody should buy, like, hundreds of copies.
2: <laughs> well, thank you very much. I'm excited because I'm just this week turning in another book. I write with Barber Publishing for historical romance novellas, and they put them in collections. And And I do have some Uh, books that I've done on my own or you know you get your rights back or a couple that I've done so I have historical romance novellas and branching out in the next year into genealogical sagas and I am doing some cat comedy but a lot of my books are on they're in regular bookstores any bookstore you like to go to they're online and uh, several of them are on audiobook now and I'd like to branch out into more audio and when I'm not completely exhausted and have this horsey thing going on, I would like to learn to read some of my own. But I've got some of the best actors and actresses that do audio for me, you know? So it's kind of ai don't know if I can do what they do. Right.
1: I think you can. I think you can, because you know, the emotion of your characters, you know,
2: the story, I mean, you know, the
1: story better than anybody because you wrote it.
2: Well, maybe, but so, but I think that they're trained and, um, my goodness, if you, if you listen to A Healing Heart with Elizabeth Wells reading it, her voice is just velvet and honey and it's just so beautiful and rich. So it's really fun to hear somebody else reading your book. And, you know, and then my son and his wife are also trained actors and they do, uh, they do a series for me um, in audiobooks. So that's, that's really fun. And then coming up for this year for Christmas, um, there's going to be Muse and Writer there's going to be a calendar and I'm hoping that the book is out in time as well, but there's going to be a calendar for, you know, I'd say a cat comedy, but he would have my hide. It's called (laughs) be lion funnies.
1: (laughs) That's so so much fun. So how much time a day do you typically spend writing on your projects? Like, you know, if you have a deadline or a book coming up, like what does your day look
2: like? Well, I'll tell you what today looks like, which is really, a, it's the day I got back from a week of speaking. Um, and so today I i got up, I drank a protein drink, and then peeled and ate a peach really quick, hopped in the shower, and the very next thing isn't that pedantic, just like everybody else, right? Yep. And I sat down and immediately answered an emergency emails. I had about two or three emergency emails because I'd been gone for a few days. And then I started, I opened up my... Scrivener is what I'm using right now to write. And I opened that up and I wrote from probably I want to say it was about 9 45, 10 o'clock, until my my grandson popped over to visit. And we spent about a half an hour visiting. He he was fishing for some Grammy's choke cherry syrup. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and then I walked him out the door and said, you know, you, I love you, but I gotta get back to writing. I wrote for another half hour. And I'm here with you. So in all that time of on and off again writing, I only got 250 words in this morning. And I've got 5,500 words that have to be done this week with a full edit on a 30,000 word novella. And then I I need to get it turned in. So when we're done with our interview, I will go wolf something pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. And then I will sit down and I will write until 2. And at two o'clock, I have a business meeting with the guys from International Christian Visual Media, (ICVM) because we have a conference coming up November 13th through the 16th. And we will be talking about registration costs and how to get that information out and marketing ICVM 2019. And I'll do that for about a half hour. And then I will uh, go back to writing. Hopefully, I'll get some time in to do just a few exercise bands or something to keep myself going. And I will write and write and write until five o'clock when I have a webinar with the uh, Roman Writers of America, faith, hope, and love. And I think we're going to have, if I have my schedule correct, we're going to have a general meeting for our annual general meeting for an hour. And then my hubby was invited out to go to a baseball game with the, with the grandson. So the boy cubs are taking hubby to the baseball game. I will sit down and uh, wolf down some dinner real quick. And I will go back to writing till I uh, till I fall asleep on the keys Wow that's, that's how today will go <laughs> wow. yeah I mean it's busy I mean it's do you find you write better in the day or the night? I tend to write better afternoon and evening I'm more of a night owl that's the uh, what are they not algorithms that's computers <laughs> that's the the body rhythms that I have the and so I tend to be a, a more afternoon and evening person. For me, it's like everybody else goes to bed, you know, after nine o'clock, and it's like the world quiets, and and I start getting into story world, and and so I, nine to midnight is honestly my best time, but it's really hard because the rest of the world gets up at six or seven or eight, you know. But I, my suggestion for any writer out there is, what is your actual body circadian rhythms,
0: right? Mm-hmm.
2: And when you're the most creative. Uh, I learned from Margie Lawson, one of my favorite teachers of writing and skill and productivity, she's just amazing, is take your temperature for 24 hours. When your temperature is at the height, when it's the highest of the day, that's your most creative. Oh, wow. Um, that is how you learn to uh, focus your creative time. So do your business stuff, do your house cleaning, do your running errands you know, at, at any other times of the day. But when your temperature is to the highest of its natural rhythm, sit down and be your creative self. Yeah, I, I agree
1: with you. I mean, I, I, I've never taken my temperature on that. But I know that, you know, once the kids are asleep or they're at least in their bedrooms, like I can focus and, and yeah. I can, like you said, you can go into story world. Um, I've never been real great at popping up in the morning and writing really early, um, <laughs> I can I write know people who are, but it's not me. <laughs> no, I, I don't know who can do that. Um, but let's talk about your
2: book that's on Audible. Which, which one of your books is or what books are on Audible? Actually, I've got um, four that I know of right now. A Healing Heart, which is a contemporary romance narrated by Elizabeth Wells, and that one was from Abingdon's, um Quilts of Love line, mm-hmm. and it is set in Montana. I love that story. Uh, we actually, I actually wrote my local vet and my dog into that story. Wow! It, there was such, he was such a neat guy and he still takes care of our horses and our animals now. And that dog is, is, you know, he's no longer with us, but I wrote him into the story because there was a scene that I needed for the family in that story and how they interacted with caring for each other in, in loss. And it was so beautiful. And my vet actually, the things that happened in his office I put into that story, so uh, I think he was a little embarrassed when I told him that he made it into a book. But and a romance think, novel, no less. A romance novel, <laughs> but it is it's it's sweet and family friendly, um, definitely. But yeah,
1: yeah, it, and you know it's
2: perfect a perfect segue
1: because I'd like to thank our sponsor today, Angela. Um, our sponsor today is Audible, and. Um, Listen up, Prime members, because for a limited time, you can start an Audible membership and save 66% on your first three months. That's a total of $30 off, and it's like getting three months for the price of one. And then you pay just $4.95 a month um, for the first three months, and then after that, it's $14.95 a month. And this offer is only valid uh, July 1st this year, 2019, to July 31st, 2019. So if you want to get this um, great deal, go to audible.com slash motherhood, and that's M-O-T-H-E-R-H-O-O-D, just like it sounds, or text motherhood to 500-500 to get started today. Now... I love audiobooks. I love them because I can listen to them in the bathtub. I can listen to them while I work out. I can take them with me wherever I go. They're always on my phone, which I really like. And one of the things that I also like, too, is you can kind of go into this secretive little world while the author or, like you said, a voiceover person is reading your uh, audiobook it's really fun just to listen. It's almost like being a little kid again and having somebody read a story to you. I mean, how great is that? So if you guys want, go to audible.com slash motherhood or text motherhood to 500, 500 to get started today. Angie, I'd like to talk to you a little bit more about your audio books. You have four of them on Audible. Sure. When they created that like did they call you and say you should read it or did they tell you somebody was going to read it how did that come about how
2: did they get the voice on there you know it's interesting because that particular book is different from the other three that I have up and so that particular one they said uh I actually didn't know they were going to do it until I got a message that the the narrator wanted to know how to pronounce a couple of words oh wow Yeah. And it had to do with, because we were in Montana and one of the words that I use in there is not only a place, but it's the name of a tribe in Montana. And so it, it's spelled differently than it, than it sounds. And so it's Absaroki and, oh. and it sound it looks like you should be saying um, something like, um, oh man, I can't even do it now because I know how to say it right. <laughs> but it's, it is a town, but it's also a tribe. And so they had to say certain words that are, you know, unique to Montana. So that's how I got to know her. So then I ended up interviewing her and putting her on my podcast, uh, which is um, Grace Under Pressure. And we did some amazing couple of different, it was a long one. So we split it into parts because it was such a beautiful opportunity to get to know her. And she was an actress that was in... Uh, like the, the movie Selma. She had a small part oh. in Selma. And so getting to know her was really fun. And then I got to go on because we become friends. We I got to become part of her journey of adopting a, um, her child. She got married, oh. you know, and then adopting a child. And so it was really fun to be uh, a part of her life. And I think that's a little bit different than normally that you can go to ACX, which is the backside of Audible, and you can – uh, audition actors, and in fact, my son-in-law is auditioning for, so my son and my daughter-in-law, one family, and now my son-in-law and daughter, my, my son-in-law is doing uh, ACX work for, and uh, his name's Corey Goldberg, and he's doing work to, uh, for voiceover, because he also graduated. I You can't tell that we have a family of creatives. No, no, you <laughs> never, between, you know, best-selling author and, you know, <laughs> actors
1: and voiceover so let's give the audience that um the title again of the the audible
2: book and the the voiceover artist what was that so that one is a healing heart and the voiceover artist is elizabeth wells and she's done other books so you'll enjoy her very velvety gorgeous voice she has great modulation for different um actors and different or different characters in my book it's really really fun and the other yeah and the other books i have on audible are um the debutante queen. 11 Pipers Piping and Taking the Plunge. And the fourth one hasn't come out yet, but it'll come out later this year, The Bitter at Bride. And my son, Forest Leader, and his wife, Tristan Leader, uh, narrated together The Debutant Queen. And I was looking at, sometimes the prices can be uh, just out of your reach for one reason or another. And I was just breaking into Audible with my books. And so I, I hired them, and we kind of tested the waters together. And I get back things like, oh, his voice is yummy. And I don't <laughs> know they're talking to his mom. It's <laughs> oh, so funny. It is Oh, hilarious.
1: that's so funny. Oh, my gosh. I just want to give that, um, I want to just give the the um, audible.com slash motherhood or text motherhood to 500-500 to get started today. Because you're going to totally want to listen to what, Angela Breidenbach's son, who's voicing her book sounds like, I mean, that's,
2: that's, I mean, that's kind of cool. Yeah. You want to know he has a yummy voice. (laughs) His wife thought that was really sweet too. (laughs) That
1: is, that is. Well, you know, the thing that I do like about Audible too, is that, you know, if you don't like the audio book, you can exchange it for free, and your audiobooks are yours to keep forever. Even if you cancel, there's no commitment. You can cancel anytime. Audible does have the largest selection of audiobooks on the planet, which lets you fill your summer with more stories. By Angela Breidenbach, our guest today. Um, thanks, Angie. I mean that was that was so cool because you know when people go to audible.com/motherhood or text motherhood to five hundred five hundred they can actually get the inside skinny on that book. And, you know, I, I want to talk to you a little bit today, too, about you as a as a, a reader. Because today's episode is, is talking about different e-readers and the different e-readers that we use. And I have a whole bucket of them. I wish you could see <laughs> here are my stack of e-readers. Angie, oh, can, wow. you can verify because wow. you're on the video simulcast. There's like 10 of them here. And they all serve different functions
2: for me. Yeah. I, now, what I about have, you? How do you like to read? I, I am very eclectic also because I love paperbacks if I, if I want to underline, highlight. And I get paperbacks from other authors for endorsement or, you know, things like that. Uh, so I love them for that. But I can't travel with them. And it's very difficult for me to... Keep that many in my house. So I have an iPad, and I have Kindle. I have Google Books. I have Apple Books. I have um, oh, um, Draft Digital now, which I've started. I, I've got my first um, indie book out through Draft to Digital now. So it goes out to all these other ones. Well, you can get so many of these different programs uh, Kobo is another really great one. So what I tend to do is I download a lot of those apps onto my laptop or my iPad. And then I use the app version of it because there might be a book available on one that's not most available kind of across the board, but not all, not, not all of them. Yeah. And I have Kindle also on all of my uh, computers and, and I have a small computer that I travel with that has all these apps and I have my iPad that I travel with, and then I have my, uh, a larger computer, the one we're on right now, that is still a laptop, but it's on my desk. And I also have a, a television screen that is a 23-inch monitor for me. And so I use all these different things, and then I adore podcasts as well. So when I have all the different – the actual physical kind of readers are – my laptops and my iPad, but I load apps to get into the other the Google Play and all that kind of stuff and then I also use um, my iPhone to do all of those apps as well. Part of the reason is as an author and I want my books to go wide, I want to see what the other reader is seeing. Sure so I want to know if the app is working if it ha- and sometimes uh it looks like it's working on one app and i've gotten a message from a reader that says it's not working on another then you have to go back and go why you know sure so it's really nice and it, some of the reasons for having the different apps are if you're in europe like we were in scotland this last uh, winter and certain apps and and readers work there that don't work in the us and the same with australia you know, And Africa, so there's different countries, different continents that different readers and apps will, will work better for. So I try to have access to as many of them as possible, not only for when I'm traveling, but also for testing them for my readers.
1: Yeah. See, and that's, that's so interesting. Cause I'm completely the opposite. I have like, I have a Kindle, a Kindle fire, an iPad. I have a Barnes and Noble nook. Um, you know, and I have, you know, and I have like three, I can't say it cause she'll start talking to me. A L E X A's. Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cause if she learns how to spell, we have a problem. Um, <laughs> and I have, um, and I have a couple Android tablets. And I have a couple Windows window tablets and I have I don't know, five or six Chromebooks. I mean, I do run a technology company. Let's let's be honest. Like, right, I'm a technology right, right. company first. So I have all these things. And like so you, I, you have to, why I have all the apps
2: to try to work through. Right, and
1: I have to check. If I produce something for a client, whether it's a, a, an audio uh, book, a, a podcast, a video, or a um, digital file, I have to check it. I got to see or build a website. You know, we build a lot of websites at my company. So to look at it at all on all these different devices is one of the major reasons that I have all these. But the other problem, Angie, is that I, I am a shiny hubcap chaser. And if you put me (laughs) on my iPad and I'm supposed to read, I'll play a video game. If I'm, if it's video game time, I'll be on YouTube watching something or all of a sudden I'll see something for Pinterest Mm-hmm. And I do not have the self-control. So if I need to read something, like a project that involves me reading, I just I just did a couple um, for a company in London. And they sent me all this stuff, and I put it on my Kindle because I can only read, like, not the Kindle Fire, because you can play games and do all sorts of stuff there. But when I really have to focus, then I use my Kindle. And I am the proud owner of, like, five different e-ink Kindles. And look at this one. And I wish the audience could see this going back to 2007 (laughs) issue. I'm going to be buried with this.
2: It is still working.
1: That's impressive
2: because so many people haven't kept working.
1: Nope. And this is the original one. I got it in like 2007, 208. I paid $400 for it. It still has my books on it. Now the battery does drain pretty quick, but you know, after like, I don't know, 12, 14 years, you know, it's still pretty good. And it's still, I can read on it and it has the little keypad on it. Now I like my little black guy. I like my little paper white because it works really well in the sun. Um, but when you go to choose one of these devices, I think it's really important that you think about how you're going to use it, because sometimes I read on my phone, sometimes I read on my iPad, sometimes I read on my Kindle device. Um, very
2: rarely do I read on my computer. I tend to read more news and things on my phone and my iPad, and unless I'm traveling, and then I'll read books on you know, my iPad, it's the reading on my phone and my iPad is more for testing, you know, to make sure you can. But, um, because I have some eye issues, I prefer uh, as large as I can. And so I do it on my laptop and I will also, you know, I load all the other fun things, movies and podcasts and that stuff. But I think, um, I would be surprised if all of us didn't have um, popcorn attention nowadays because we've almost been trained to it. So I think it's wise. I do have a Kindle and I also, I read on my Kindle when I'm reading like nonfiction a Mm -hmm. lot more because again, same thing. I want to focus. So if I don't have it in paperback, I have it on my Kindle and I, I love the Kindle for being able to download, you know, the free books, but I also love it because I can organize it, you know? Yes. And I use my computer to even organize and create files on it. So that yeah, it's because not, I have, right. Yeah. Like you,
1: I have varied interest. I have my fitness interest. I have my, you know, history interest. I have my nutrition interest. And then I have tech interest and, you know, to have them all, you know, in there all willy nilly, um, you know, isn't, isn't the best for me, but, I'll tell you, there are times, you know, and I think of Jack Canfield's book, uh, Success Principles. Mm -hmm. Um, I own that in Audible, hardback or paperback. Mm -hmm. And I also own it in uh, Kindle digital format because... When I travel, it's always with me. And when I'm speaking, a lot of times there's just something in there that I need a refresher or whatever. And then I can also listen to it on the airplane, you know, because it's kind of like the bathroom reader for business. It's like 500 pages, everything's in there. But I also have this dog-eared copy that has Post-its and highlights and tags in it, but I don't always want to carry a big book. And so to have it on my phone as an audible version or have it on my digital device you know that's one of my my go to books that that when I'm thinking about a presentation I'm like well I want to just make sure that I'm correct on these
2: things and then I'll go back to success principles with Jack Canfield. I think it's really wise to be able to be flexible like that because you, you don't know quite what you might want to do with it um, because I do a lot of historical writing um, fiction and nonfiction because I use the I write articles and things like that to to help people understand the. the the historical things um i use a lot of the antique um oh. google books and so when i download them i can load them to google play um, to google books and then they'll go you know whether i want wherever i want my phone or my ipad or my computer i can get them but uh but then i also like that i can download it often onto my computer as a pdf okay. and then i can load the pdf to my Kindle. Right. Or you couldn't you load the PDF too, if it's researched into your Scrivener app? I absolutely do. Loaded um, the antique books into my Scrivener app. Yeah. And Scrivener, um, you know, I've got it. You can put it on, you know, different things, but I really prefer it just on my laptop because when you're using Scrivener as your e-reader, um, you really need to be able to set in place the columns for comments and, um, and your binder so you can move things around, you know, so I, I actually have used Scrivener for my e-reader too. <laughs> yeah, I could see that. I mean, I could see that, you know, I mean, it's, it's
1: surprising, um, you know, and I think it, it comes down to mobility too. I know like, you know, when I'm, when I'm in town and I'm in town for six or eight weeks at a clip, I have very different digital usage than when I am traveling or speaking or, you know, I just got back from, you know, I I flew the the red eye to New York and then I came back Wednesday night. I hit the ground running Thursday morning Mm -hmm. Um, and I still live digitally like that until three or four days until I can finally settle down. Mm -hmm. Um, Because it's a whole different, it's a whole different experience. It's a whole different environment. It's a whole different lifestyle. We go from sitting at our desks all day to running around like lunatics for, you know, 10 days and then back to our desks.
2: That's what my last week was. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Where are you in Nashville?
2: Yeah. And poor poor Sandra, you're sitting here watching me like fade into that. (laughs) i'm so tired but the yeah the reality is that i think a lot of different i think sometimes people like why do you need so many things it's like well you don't really need the things but how do they affect you business-wise how do they affect you personally um what do you feel safe letting your children use right right Um, and then because if you have things that are very business oriented, or even maybe you're doing bills or something like that, you don't want to necessarily hand that particular item away. No. Very important. And for me, even on the plane yesterday, I loved my seatmate. She was just wonderful. But um, I apologize to her because I, I have to meet this deadline. I have to write and I apologize to her. I said, I'm sorry, I've got to get to working now. And, you know, I, I minimize my font because I don't, I don't want the whole plane seeing it, but, um, and people do. I do. Yeah, yeah. I was sitting next to this girl on the New York trip,
1: you know, and she was like laughing and typing and I couldn't help it. Like she was laughing so hard. I had to look at what she was writing. I didn't mean yeah. it to be like a nosy Nelly, but, but it's just you know, natural.
2: It's just yeah. natural. So I try to do things that, um, uh, minimize that a little bit, you know, and I like how some of these e-readers you can get, um, whether I don't know where you want to go, but whether it's Amazon or Best Buy or yeah. you know, any other store, you can get privacy screens. That and this, the particular laptop I had, I had not bought a privacy screen for it yet. And you literally have to be right in front of it to see it. So it it kind of gives a, a funny shading um, that people off to the side can't can't read it. And well, so, yeah,
1: especially if you're writing certain scenes, you know, like there's things that I don't want my kids seeing. There's things that I don't want my dad seeing. I mean, thank God, none of my brothers and sisters read. Only
2: one of them reads like 10 of them don't. So you know, I can write. I I agree. And I don't write behind the bedroom door, but, but the, what what happened was that it was a particular scene where I just killed off a character in the book and uh, it can get emotional. Yes. And so I, I decided, all right, I need to skip this scene because on the plane I can't. I don't want to be sitting there, you know, very emotional or you know stuff like that. So I went ahead and skipped to a different scene. When I realized somebody was actually watching me, <laughs> yeah, but well, yeah, you because know. you you radiate that energy. You know,
1: like um, when my mom died a couple years ago, um, I flew home to to have a last visit with her. Uh, with my kids, you know, before she got on hospice. So, um, and I got on the plane and I was, I just fell apart, you know, and I really, I couldn't stop crying. I was sobbing. And, you know, my, my younger son was like, it's okay. My grandma's dying. She's got cancer. (laughs) He's telling everybody as we walk down the, the aisle. And then I get in my seat and thank God I was three seats, you know, the two kids and me. So I wasn't crying next to someone but I was crying so hard and I couldn't stop. Like I really, I'm pretty good, but I just couldn't, I just lost it. And then the flight attendants, they brought me a blanket. They bought me a drink. They're like, can anything can we do? You know, every people were so sympathetic and then all they had on that flight. Angie was peanuts Oh no. So she gives me the flight attendants like, you know, she goes, when is the last time you ate? And I I really couldn't remember. I knew it was at least a day. So that wasn't helping things. So she's like, let me go get you some protein and fat. I'll get you some peanuts. I'll come back with them. So, you know, when you cry a lot, your voice goes, (laughs) yep, I do. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I did that with a peanut.
2: Oh, no. And then
1: it got stuck, like, in my throat, in my lungs. I don't know where oh, it went. So then no. I started, like, hacking up a lung. I was never so embarrassed because I walk no. on crying. I'm
2: trying not to
1: cry. And then I choke on a peanut.
2: <laughs> yes, I know. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm the – they call that the ticks, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and uh And I'm, when I cry heavy, I get the ticks and and it embarrasses me so bad because not only do i do that thing but then then i literally get a a chin jerk (laughs) so it's just like i did write that into a character because it was real
1: Yes, but I mean, but it happens. I mean, so imagine, you know, this best-selling author riding on a plane from Nashville, (laughs) writing a scene about like a dog who dies or something. You're going to be bawling. I mean, I bawl when I write those things and I'm not, you know, I'm not near where you are in your career.
2: And if you don't, if you don't feel the emotion yourself, your reader's not going to feel the emotion. Right. And so, and some people say when they, when they hold a paper book, in fact, the, the mom and daughter I was sitting next to on the plane, she was 12 and they want to know what I was doing. And so I told them. And the 12-year-old was so cute. She goes, have you written any more books? And I said, well, yeah, this is, I've written 17 others. This is number 18. And she's like, oh, wow, you know. And, and then her mom wanted to know what I wrote. And so we had a little conversation about that. But um, the mom said she won't use any reader And I said, really? I said, at 12, I said, that's kind of surprising because kids are kind of cutting their teeth on technology yeah. nowadays. And she said she just really likes the feel of the book. Yep. And I said, you know what? Um, then her e-reader is a paperback because the reality is that um, there have been studies that you are more attuned when you're holding a paperback book, you learn more and uh, retain it better. And so I, I would say that's probably the case for me too. Yeah. And I have a highlighter and I can make my notes. But I like with, with like some of these e-readers, you can highlight it, and you can make notes off to the side, and export um, them. Like that yeah. to me is really handy when you
1: export them. You know, because it's hard to export your notes from a from a physical book. Yeah. But it's interesting you say that because see, I have two boys, and one of them is is all book, and one is all digital. And It's very interesting to me that like never the twain shall meet. You know, <laughs> and I know this because I bought the Harry Potters, and I bought the Harry Potters in digital. Well, then my other son is like, I don't like digital mom. I don't like, I can't see where I am in the book.
0: Yes. that's. I don't know deal.
1: how much longer it's going to be. And he said, mom, when I get to the last page and I close the book, I feel a sense of accomplishment that I don't get from digital. Yes. I fully understand that. Yeah. Sure yeah. And then you, now we go to my other son who's like, mom, books smell yes they do and some people <laughs> like that smell and some people don't and this my yep. particular son that doesn't like the smell he goes sometimes they smell like mold sometimes they smell musty now i happen to like that i enjoy that sometimes, sometimes they he, smell like ink when they're really. yes really new. and he said sometimes they smell mom and it gives me a headache yeah So he's all digital and he's, you know, he's all digital anyway. You know, he's got everything digitized, all his photos backed up. I mean, he's the one that taught me how to back up all our phones. I mean, but he likes that. And I think it also has to do with sensory issues because if you're sensitive to weight or smell or texture, like he even said one time, he didn't like this book. And I said, why? And he goes, oh, the pages were slippery. Oh, interesting! Yeah, and you know how some books have that grainy feel, and some yep. internal pages have that real sleek. He didn't like it. He said, and he's he's six five. He's a big fifteen year old, but he goes, I hated turning the pages.
2: I got to show you something. Okay, so the barber books—the first time I ever got a barber book. Um, this one I'm showing because people can't see us. The, this one I'm showing her is the Captive Brides collection. And oh, okay. Yeah, and it's got nine stories in it, but the pages are what they call deckled and a deckled page is that it looks like it's ripped yeah and, and when you're when you're holding that and you're you're thumbing through it it feels amazing and you and the pages have a little bit of a texture but not too much you know so you can turn has, them yeah but there's just a sense when you you know, I'll, I challenge you to thumb through a deckled page book because the thumbing has a real amazing sense to it and i just i it blew my mind and then the other thing that i really love with barber's books like this is that when you open them up and you have this gorgeous um fold out spread of art in the cover yeah and and they're like well why do they have because then on the inside they've got your uh the the different synopsis of the different stories on the front cover and then you fold that out and it's this beautiful art and i showed somebody one time It is a great bookmark. (laughs) Yes, that's what I used mine for. I folded it in where I was in the book. Yeah, and so, you know, that to me, I so get your son's sense of touch and feel. I tend to like uh, the slippery as a general, you know, feel. But I also like thicker pages because when they're so thin, it's hard to get them apart. It is. But even my Bible, I read... I have, you know, the onion skin, real thin page Bibles. And then I have my, the Bible on my phone. And I find that I wake up in the morning and I do a devotional. I do my Bible on my phone. And there's a couple of different ones, the uh, apps that are really cool for that. And they contain, you know, the whole Bible. So you can either do the YouVersion app that literally just says Bible, or you can do iDisciple, you know, um, I, like, I also like Discovering the Jewish Jesus, um, Rabbi Schneider. And they're all just right, they're apps, but they have the entire thing right in there. Very nice. I have the Bible one, the one little brown one. Yeah. First. yeah. Yeah. And now we can, um, we're invited as authors to upload our work there, you know, to send in an application to upload our work there. But the beauty is that you can read entire books in an app called Bible or Uh, an app called iDisciple, you know, and the goal of these apps and these e-readers is paper books are expensive to ship all over the world. Yes. But people in countries that uh, can't get books easily can sometimes more often get it like this. Yep. Um, And whether they go to a friend's house or whether, but they can share things that way that may be more difficult to do in a physical copy of it. And sometimes in some countries um, they're in trouble if they That's have right. these copies. And so, you know, even getting to read it from somebody else's page or somebody else's um, electronics, because even electronics are often outlawed. You right. Know. But if you have it out there, they're more apt to be able to find it through an e-reader or a cell phone You know, it's somebody, sometimes they, even if they cut like in China where they cut and, uh, access to different online things, Uh sometimes they can manage to get close to a border and, and some, something can get sent through. Right. So. Well, I had a long time. I had, um, five or six
1: little Kindles, the, the little ones, not the, not the, not the fire ones, um, Mm -hmm. And they used to go on the missions. Like, you know, I have a lot of people, a lot of the, I hire a lot of homeschool kids in my technology company, and they um, go on different missions. And so we send them with this device that has everything loaded in there, and they can get through customs, they can get where they need to go without lugging all these books. And as long as they have access to electricity, which is usually the issue, that's why we use the that's Kindles awesome. that are not backlit and the Kindles, but they can bring these books into
2: these countries and read to the kids yeah read to the people and then to go along with that what do you do when you don't have electricity i tend to carry with me several little backup batteries mm-hmm. uh, that i can plug into and um that that got me through scotland is fine with electricity but when you're traveling all day and mm-hmm. you know so i carry these little backup battery that'll give me that'll a full charge and then, you know, then you can charge when you can get to another electric. uh, Right, another station. Yeah. So I find that those are really great ways to keep my e-readers and Kindles and and iPads and things like that going. You know, it's really nice. So a lot
1: of times I'll test out a book, I'll buy it on digital, and I'll read it. And then if I really love it, I'll Mm -hmm. buy either the hard copy or I'll buy a library-like edition. Yeah. You know, because I do, I get, you know, I do four radio shows a week so I can get anywhere from zero to 25 books in a week. And so I have my places where things go. I have church that accepts my donations and then I have the VA that, that takes a lot of my donations too. And, um, you know, to have all these books, you know, each one becomes a friend. (laughs) Yeah. But I don't yeah. live in a library and I have a limited amount of space. And if you're, you know, moving from post to post to post, you know, you can't drag your entire library, but you can, you know, slurp it on a digital device and carry it with you. I know it's not the same as a real book sometimes, but, you know, you look at my one son who doesn't like real books, then you look at my son, other son who loves them. I'm kind of yeah. in between,
2: depending on. I'm in between, book. depending on. That's a great way. And, you know, for readers who, uh, books are too expensive because things are tight sometimes, yep. you know, and um, when I was a single mom, books were way too expensive. Uh, Absolutely. So we spent a lot of time at the library. We'd go every week or two and literally load up. Well, if you can, uh, if you want to get eBooks and audiobooks, you can do that through libraries now. That's Right. And so if even and oftentimes somebody will just give you their, their old electronic as they're getting a new electronic, but it still works. Yep. But, but they like to chase the bells and whistles. Cool. Don't turn that down because you can go <laughs> load it up at the, at the library, you know, cause they use different systems like overdrive or, right. um, you know, because Kobo and uh, all of these, there's different places. And then you can always, you know, you can get the free books and if, if I could just for one moment appeal to listeners, uh, when you read a book, whether it is audio or digital or a paperback book, please, please go and leave a review for those authors. They put their heart and soul in it, and they, it's so hard to get authentic, real reviews from readers out there. And if you could just put a review out there for those authors that, you, that you've enjoyed their books oh my gosh, you not only have made their day, you've probably made their whole year because it's so hard to get reviews. People just don't take the time. They don't have the time. They're well, happy.
1: and I think it's it's a function too of not, not only not having the time, but until I worked in publishing, you know, like I have for the last 10 years, I would have been nervous
2: about giving my review because who am I? Right. Really, and I mean, that, point that, point. that, huh? But you're important. You, reader, are so important because we don't have anyone to write for, if not for you.
1: Right. Right. Yeah,
2: Yeah, because it was interesting. When you said that, I was thinking, wow, why didn't I give reviews most of the time? Because I didn't want to sound stupid. Well, and you know what? Sometimes people don't even know what to say in a review. But the reality is, all that you need to say is, I loved this book because, and then say why. Right, it, it made me laugh or it made me Yeah. Yeah. One sentence, two sentences. Did you like such and so character? Did it relate to you because um it, was it a really good bargain that you thought was just gonna get you through the day and suddenly you found out it changed your life in some way? Right, or it then, took me away. Yeah. And if you if you have your name out there and that scares you, just use a nickname. Yeah. Know? a lot of people have nicknames on these different review sites and review sites are any site you like to go to, to buy a book. But particularly if you buy a book at a particular site, review it at that, that particular site so that, you know, it shows that you're real. There's a lot of sites like for instance, Amazon or Kobo or whatever. Um, if you buy a book and, and you review the book, it has more weight. Right. Cause it says verified did... purchase. Mm-hmm.
1: And I mm-hmm. do like before I order anything. I do read through. I read re- read through the reviews. I want to see what people real people have to say because you can always tell when they're plants, yeah. you know. And I like it when people say, you know, I got a free copy of this book or I got a free
2: one of this, and I was really surprised and it was good. Like and it's it's fun to see the reviews, you know, with the digital copy and all that. Uh, it's fun because you it also gives you a place to. You almost have like this online book club when you when you're reading reviews. <laughs> yeah, well, especially if somebody you know, like many years ago, I think it was who wrote the Calder
1: series? It was a a romance. Gosh, I'm gonna look it up here because I because it's
2: yeah, it's uh, not coming to me, but that's okay. Yeah, I've got, I've got my own book deadline on my brain today so there you go Janet Daly okay oh, Janet Daly yes yeah of
1: course Janet Daly who doesn't know Janet Daly but <laughs> she wrote these this Calder series um and the books were in order and I remember I picked one up at like a you know the book the first one came out in like and it's a Montana based thing. It was the Calder sky came out in 1981 and I bought this book. I will never forget. I was walking home. There was a Christian camp and my, where my house is. So I would walk home, you know, past there. And there was this little lady who always put her Harlequin romances out. She put her things out and you could buy them for a quarter. And there was like three of us in the cove, you know, on the lake that would read these. And she, I remember spending a whole dollar, you know, because, you know, it's babysitting money. It's a big deal. It's a big um, deal. Yeah. Yeah. And then, then I was like on the hunt for the next one. So then I'm like begging my dad to take me to the used bookstore, to the half price bookstore. And um, I don't know why our library didn't carry these. Maybe they were too racy at the time, but, you know, (laughs) set in Montana and the big sky. And, you know, I just fell in love with these characters. And um, there was like a 10 year span of time from book like three to book four or book four mm-hmm. to book five. And I literally would wait. And you know, I kept going, when I, I need to find out what happened to, you know, this one. I need to find out. Like I got so involved in this. And I still have them. They're dog eared. They're wow. you know. And I have one like the Calderborn Calderbread, which I think came around again 1982, 83 it's an old library copy. It still has the pocket in it from the library stamp, yeah. this card on it. You know, it's all beat up and dog-eared, you know? And I just think of like how much, cause I wanted to travel as a little kid, but I was from a small farming
2: community and you know, right. the only travel I could do was through books. That's, and that was a lot of how I, I had the dream to travel and I do get to now more than I would have ever, you know, as a child that I traveled through books and I loved uh, history and time and time travel. And so I would read books to be able to do that. And I learned so much from books. And I know when I write, I, the, you know what I was spending last night doing before I went to bed was um, making sure that I was researching how they train a horse for English writing. Okay. My character is English uh, writings instructor versus Western writing. And a lot of what I do in my books would include Western writing. So I have this uh, English writing instructor coming to Montana and everybody's joking that he's not a real cowboy. <laughs> and so it's like, how does he become a real cowboy? Right. And, and they find out that he actually knows more than they think he does. But you know, he's always so dressed up in frills and fancies that, that nobody thinks he's he right. They don't him take him seriously. Right. And so, sir, I know how you lunge a horse. So I better make sure. So, so I was reading research, you know, to, to make sure I could put that in there properly. So when, when people are reading one of my books, they're going to actually learn, you know, what I've learned in, in snippets. Cause of course you don't yeah. want to overwhelm somebody. Right, it's but, not a manual, but yeah. But what I'm saying is I learned from novels because of the research those writers did and now i get to research so other people can learn too and so it's not just fun and fancy there's also real stuff in there that that you get to expand your mind with and for me as a as a young girl and as a growing teen it so just expanded my whole world and gave me opportunity to grow and put all those little learning wrinkles in your brain that you need that keep you healthy so absolutely yeah well and
1: i think accuracy is so vital. Um, I remember that same lady that I used to buy my books from. There was a book there set, you know, crazy it may seem, the little town of Canandaigua that I grew up in, you know, little Indian lake in the middle of, you know, upstate New York, in the middle of nowhere. And they set this uh, romance at the, there used to be a, like a water park or a theme park at the top of our lake. It had a roller coaster. It had a tilt-a-whirl. It had some bumper cars. It was really small. And it was really nothing um, to shake a stick at. And she had set the characters there and she had them walking around for hours and they're going to Kershaw park and taking long walks on Kershaw park. Angie, I could roll a bowling ball in the sand from one end of Kershaw park to the other. Like (laughs) it was clear this lady had never been there. She had looked on a map and saw all these cool things and said a story there. Um, and in those days you didn't have email and I really didn't think to write her a letter, but I wish I had written her the letter
2: that I loved her story, but I hated that she wasn't authentic, truthful yeah. and accurate. Yeah. And now you have something as simple as Google and you can do man on the street and, when I wrote a book, a uh, Scottish, uh, it was a gal who went to Scotland from the U S from Montana, of course. And I, I used Google man on the street so I could see even how many blocks it was to get down yes. to the, the football soccer field, you know, things like that. Yeah. yeah. Cause if you're you going know. somewhere that exists, there's going to be a reader there that's going to check. That's right. And so I was checking those kinds of things and, I realized that I hadn't done that with one thing last week that I'd written and I went back and I'm, and I'm just like so frustrated because I was on the plane and I couldn't get the internet to Oh yeah. To do some research. So I had to do it as soon as I got to the hotel and you know, but yeah, readers will catch you on it. Sure. It's not, you know, and if you haven't physically been there, go Find somebody who has, you know, and ask the question. But absolutely absolutely
1: well Angela it's been a just a pleasure today to talk books with you to talk e-readers to talk audible with you um where
2: can people find out more about you I would love it if people visited me at Angela com. a-n-g-e-l-a-b-r-e-i-d-e-n-b-a-c-h and uh if you send me a message through there I will respond uh, as quickly as I can but sometimes like when I'm a deadline, might be a day or two, but I will try to respond to everybody. And if you want to sign up for my newsletter, I have a Muse and Writer newsletter, which is Feline Funnies, (laughs) and starting this summer. And if you would like my other one, it will have my other one, which is Angela Breidenbach. You know, that newsletter, they're both available at AngelaBreidenbach.com. And that one will be um, historical tidbits, genealogy tips, and book releases, that kind of thing. So any social media is just Breidenbach. There we go. We love that. Love that about you. All right. We'll be back again next week. Thank you.
0: Thanks for being with us today on Motherhood Talk Radio, starring Sandra Beck. Join us again. We've got something you won't want to miss. Motherhood Talk Radio is a production of... Multimedia.